0: I received one Sunday in Relief Society, a letter from Heavenly Father, and it was part of the lesson that this wonderful sister gave that day, and I wanted to read the letter to preface this week's episode. Dear daughter or son, I remember well the day you left my side, wandered through the veil, and ventured forth to fulfill your earthly mission. I had a tear in my eye as I clothed your spirit in a cloak of love and sent you off to earth. Be assured that my thoughts are with you now as they have always been. I love you with all of my heart. I know your life, the good, the bad, your grief, even your disappointments, your unrewarded efforts, and your frustrations but always remember all that i have is yours if you will only come home again daughter or son realize that in you i have placed a bit of heaven no one was exempt i love all of my children you have some blessed gifts some talent, some little part of me in you. Search for it, develop it, use it, and most importantly, share it with others. If you really love me, then help others find themselves and lead them to me. Show your love by serving others around you. Repent Repent of your failings and humble yourself. Make yourself ever teachable and continually strive to improve. I gave you weaknesses to help you be humble. Don't condemn me for that. I did it because I love you. Be full of hope as I am. Don't let discouragement engulf you. I'll come to you when you need me. Daughter or son, cease your idle contentions. Become a peacemaker. For it breaks my heart to see so many of my children fighting. If they could only see what I have hoped, planned and desired for them. My heart breaks as I watch them. But you faithful You are my hope. It is through you that my work must proceed. You haven't much time and there is so much work to be done. I beg you to continue your efforts. Accomplish the mission I have specifically given you before you came to this place. I will help you. I will never be too busy or too far away to come to you. I'm nearer to you always than you might suspect. I have so much I desire to share with you. Come to me often in prayer. I love to talk to you, my beloved child. Be diligent in my work and my kingdom shall be yours. I'd love to take you in my arms, but I too must wait patiently. And that time will come. Till then, I leave you my peace, my blessing, my love, and never forget, I am nearby whenever you need me. I love you and miss you so terribly, and oh, how I'm looking forward to your return home to me. All my love, Heavenly Father. Welcome to LDS Real People Real Lives Podcast. This is episode 34. Thank you so much for joining me once again. I really love to hear from my audience. So don't forget that you can always DM me on Instagram. And my LDS Real People Real Lives Podcast account is RPRL Podcast. You can also email me at LDSReal People Real Lives at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook page that you can reach out to me on um, and message me there. It's LDS Real People, Real Lives Podcast. And thanks again for always sending out your comments and reaching out. I love to hear from people all over the world. And it's just been a joy being able to join you every week and to be able to talk about the gospel. So at the beginning of this episode... Uh, there was a letter that was shared that was written from heavenly father to a child and i wanted to share that because i just love that letter i have it on my refrigerator and it always keeps me super focused and reminds me of where i came from who i am my identity and the help that i receive that each of us receives from heaven So this week, I wanted to talk uh, about prophets, about the purpose of prophets, what they do, and how we can use their guidance and teachings and the protections that they give in our lives. I've always believed that God gives us prophets because He loves us so very much. As it said in the letter from Heavenly Father at the open of the episode, He has wrapped us in a cloak of love and has given each of us a piece of heaven. He understood with completeness what we would experience while on earth. And being the God of preparation, he has prepared us for this experience, never failing. Prophets are God's representatives here on earth. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. That's Amos chapter 3, verse 7. We know that God will always guide the prophet here on earth because the prophet truly is a servant of the Lord. So a prophet, of course, is called by God and given to us out of great love and care. As with any loving parent who sends their child off to acquire education, God has given us tools as well to find our way through this proving ground here on earth never leaving us entirely alone. In Doctrine and Covenant section 1 verse 38, it says, "'What I, the Lord, have spoken, I have spoken, "'and I excuse not myself, "'and though the heavens and the earth pass away, my word shall not pass away but shall all be fulfilled whether by mine own voice or by the voice of my servants it is the same very clear teachings here in this um, scripture so we learn that the prophet the apostles the 70s and so on when they are called by god under priesthood authority that they speak for the god of heaven and earth heavenly father and jesus christ Many people live without the ongoing guidance that God has provided with us today, um, believing that the heavens are closed, that there is nothing more. He has to say that all the revelation has ceased and that they have everything that God knows that he wants us to know. And thankfully, we have Christ church here on earth, which is proof that ongoing revelation is here We know beyond a shadow of doubt that the heavens are open and that God is truly talking to us once again and has been since the restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are those that do believe only the Bible is the word of God, yet we have been given additional scripture from our first prophet, seer, and revelator for the latter days, Joseph Smith. It is on the day that he entered the grove and prayed to God as he was taught in the book of James, chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. These verses teach clearly who we can turn to for direction and revelation, that we are never alone, and that God truly has thought of every, everything. Now all we must do is believe, is have faith, is be an example of the believers. A prophet comes from various stages and backgrounds in life. It is by his humble and perfect servants that God brings to pass his will and his purposes. So how do we identify a prophet of God? He will be called of God through the power, authority, and order of the priesthood, as mentioned earlier. And when a man is called to be a modern day prophet, it is up to us individually to find for ourselves a testimony of the prophet. The burden falls on our shoulders And our shoulders alone. God assigns, and we trust to have confidence in God. And if there are any hesitations, we must go to God in prayer and truly, humbly ask, with all faith, nothing wavering, and He will answer. There have been prophets on earth since Adam. There was a time of silence from heaven because of apostasy, but that is no longer the case. God worked through Moses to give us the commandments and then John the Baptist, who was prepared to ready the world for the coming of Christ. And then Nephi, he was a great prophet in the Book of Mormon, who journeyed to the Americas 600 years before Christ's birth. And Joseph Smith was called to restore the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then we have Gordon B Hinckley. He gave us the family proclamation to the world. That document is so important and clearly spells out The importance of family and family within the society. President Russell M. Nelson has ushered in the progression of the unfolding of the restoration as it is ongoing and has made some very important adjustments almost immediately. He readied us for the home-centered church-supported gospel teaching And then we had the shutdown of COVID-19, the pandemic, when he said, spring of this year, this too shall pass, giving us all hope. He changed the length of time that we spend at church on Sundays, which has helped us to really focus on family and teaching the gospel one to another. Again, we felt very comfortable doing this during the shutdown because we had already been doing it for a year. President Nelson has truly been a global minister as he has shared the gospel in more than 32 countries. He's performed his first temple dedication in Chile on October 28th of 2018. He revised the temple recommend interview questions to spiritually prepare all who will enter into the holy temples. And he has announced well over 35 temples that will be built worldwide. The prophet is not only a prophet for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but he is also a prophet for the world. One of the most notable temple dedications was the Rome-Italy Temple in March 15, 2019. That temple is absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. As a matter of fact, for that temple dedication, each member of the First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles was in attendance, as well as President Nelson. The prophet describes the dedication of the Rome-Italy temple as a hinge point in the history of the church. He also mentioned that things will move forward at an accelerated pace, that the church is going to have an unprecedented future, and it will be unparalleled. He has also told us to strap in for a bumpy ride, but our future is filled with lots of hope and exciting things to come. So as I consider hinge point in the history of church, that those two words, hinge point, I think of a hinge on a cabinet or a door. And those, you know, when you open them, they move in different angles, different directions, and takes us into a different uh, course, let's say. And that's definitely what is going on under the presidency of President Russell M. Nelson currently right now. He is just absolutely awesome and i know personally that he's definitely the prophet for our days and during this time in dispensation um he's busy as ever and considering his age he's 96 man i mean to have the energy that he has as he's such a marvel with the amount of energy and zest that he has for life in his calling um i don't know about you but I know I'm not the only one that when I see President Russell M. Nelson, um, whether it's in picture or in general conference, or I see a video of him fulfilling his calling, I always get bowled over with Christ's love. I feel that the prophet truly emanates Christ's love for each of us. And I just, I'm so grateful for the feeling that I get through the Spirit whenever I see him. That I don't have to physically be around him in order to enjoy the presence of Christ that he emanates and the glory that he definitely emanates. I just, I love him to death. Uh, When we raise our hands to sustain the prophet, it is important for each of us to have our own personal testimony that God lives and that Jesus is the Christ. You know, having a strong testimony is so very important. It allows us to help others in their search for truth, and it should be shared. A family member of mine told me when President Nelson was first called to be the prophet of the Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints, that they had stopped attending church and that they had prayed long and hard about President Nelson being our prophet. And this family member said that she had received revelation that he was not called of God, therefore couldn't in good conscience continue to attend and support the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints any longer. This is someone that I have high respect for, who has stood the test of time regarding her faith and devotion to the gospel of Jesus Christ and his kingdom here on earth. And I have to admit that shook me. I couldn't believe it. I was completely caught off guard and I was just stunned. On the other hand, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that President Nelson has served the Lord for decades, and that would not change now. He was an apostle for over 30 years, and that he loves God, and that he loves Jesus Christ. You know, he's a general in the army of God here on earth, and it is important that we seek, search, pray, and fast. If we ever have any doubts, this is the most important accomplishment and journey we will ever make here on Earth. And so we must put the work in. It is through this process that you and I will find the answers to your questions and to know that God loves when his children ask questions. He loves it when we use our intelligence and trusting him to guide us. In this case, after time had passed and having a deeper conversation with her, I understood that it was really her desire to live life that was different than what we're taught in the gospel and that she there was multiple things going on that kind of led her to this and um, one of the conversations you know she was using verbiage I've done a lot of missionary work uh, with the missionaries and this verbiage is typical of the anti-mormon literature and those that persecute and um, Come after the church. And so I knew exactly then what had happened. And it was a combination again of things for her, but also that she did not go to the good sources and follow the formula seek, search, pray, and fast. And that we are to do this using the good sources that come from Jesus Christ, which are the canon of scriptures that have been approved. So we've got the Book of Mormon, we've got the Bible the Doctrine and Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price. And then we have modern day revelation through our prophets that we get twice a year through General Conference. And, um, you know, we have to respect her agency. Um, So we pray for her, we fast for her, and then we patiently wait. And we have a lot of hope for her and her family. I just love her ever so much. And I hope that she figures it out one day and hopefully quickly, sooner rather than later. I wanted to share a story that I had come across on this Facebook page that I follow. It's the LDS Facebook page. And it was this gentleman. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but we are getting a lot of activity in Africa. People are joining the church in large numbers and very quickly. And this story comes from a gentleman A brother out in Ghana and he says two days ago I was talking with one of our children in our home about COVID-19 and he had asked me a question that got me thinking he asked uncle Kofi we have a prophet right and I responded yes then he asked then why doesn't he pray for God to show him the cure for COVID-19 And I responded that he has given us directions we need to follow to keep us safe and minimize our risk of contracting it. After this encounter, I got myself thinking, Hmm, we have a prophet and he has given us directives and that is up to us to follow. Upon deeper reflection, I have come to realize how the Lord loves us and always prepares a way. Again, that key word, prepares prepares a way for our escape, even when the problem or challenge has not emerged. The Lord has said in Doctrine and Covenant section 1 verse 17, Wherefore I, the Lord, knowing the calamity which should come upon the inhabitants of the earth, called upon my servant Joseph Smith Jr., and spake unto him from heaven and gave him commandments. So how does this apply to President Nelson and our present day and circumstances? The church has recently been focusing and hammering on a home center gospel and ministering in an individualized way and this puts the home in its rightful place as the center for gospel teaching and learning and with the new directive to stay at home and have our own sacrament where possible the home will not only be a center for gospel learning but also a sanctuary i think the lord asked his church to be home centered to prepare us for times like these we thank thee O god for a prophet and i so much appreciate this brother sharing of himself and his witness and testimony of president russell m nelson and the guidance that he has given us and that he truly is the prophet for our day wanted to give a brief uh, rundown of the prophets that we've had since the restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As I've noticed that with each prophet, they had particular missions that they served and accomplished while they were the uh, president of the Church of Jesus Christ the Latter Day Saints. So, starting off with Joseph Smith, who was the first president of the church, born in 1805. Um, He was the 11th child of Joseph Smith and Lucy Mack, and he worked on the family farm in Vermont and later in western New York. He has a series of remarkable spiritual experiences prepared him for his prophetic calling, and beginning in 1820 in Palmyra, He saw God, the Father, and Jesus Christ in the first vision. Through revelation, he translated and published the Book of Mormon. He also organized the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on April 6, 1830 and received revelations to guide the church. By inspiration, he called apostles and other church leaders, defined doctrines, and taught the principles and ordinances that would lead to exaltation. Under his leadership, Latter-day Saints founded communities in Ohio, Missouri, and Illinois, and he was sustained as first elder of the church on April 6th of 1830. And on July, actually June 27th of 1844 at Carthage, Joseph Smith died a martyr to his faith. You know, I actually did a lot of research on Joseph Smith and who he was, his character, um, Everything that he's done and been through, and he truly is remarkable. You know, I often say that if you get lost, you could always look to Christ for direction, and I feel that you could also look to our prophets for direction their strength, their faith. So, the second president of the church was Brigham Young, and he was born in 1801 in Vermont. In 1835, three years after he joined the church, he was called to the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Can you imagine joining a church and within three years being an apostle? Um, He was the successor to Joseph Smith. He led the migration west in 1846 to 1847 to the Rocky Mountains and founded Salt Lake City. He was sustained as president of the church on December 27th of 1847. And as church president and territorial governor of Utah, he established Latter-day Saint settlements in Utah and throughout the American West. He was one of the great colonizers. And under his direction, construction commenced on the Salt Lake, St. George and Logan Temples, and he brought the telegraph and the railroad to Utah as well and encouraged cooperative industry among the saints. He also encouraged excellence and refinement in every aspect of life. And he passed away in Salt Lake City in 1877 after nearly 30 years as the church president. 30 years he was the prophet of the Lord's church. And I love Brigham Young. He is so direct and to the point. And you know, he speaks nothing but truth. I just adore him. And then the third president of the church is John Taylor. And he was born in 1808 in England. He uh, immigrated in 1832 to Toronto, Canada, and he was a Cooper and part-time Methodist minister. He and his wife Leonora joined the church in 1836, so just four short years later, and then two years after 1836, he became an apostle and enjoyed close association with Joseph M. Brigham. John Taylor accompanied Joseph Smith to Carthage in June 1844 and was seriously wounded when Joseph Smith was killed. And he was sustained as president of the church on October 10th of 1880, during one of the most challenging periods in church history. The church was persecuted for the practice of plural marriage and many Latter-day Saints were being fined, imprisoned and denied the vote due to their beliefs and practices. President Taylor organized members to meet this trial of their faith And for the last two and a half years of his life, administered the affairs of the church from the seclusion resulting from anti-polygamy legislation. And he did pass away in Kaysville, Utah in 1887. John Taylor, I mean to come in and be the prophet at that time with the um, polygamy and I'm sure that was the time with all the race stuff going on, he had his hands full and you know our faith is going to be challenged because faith precedes the miracle and then we have Wilfred woodruff who was the fourth president of the church and he was born in 1807 in connecticut um he was a miller by trade and he joined the church in 1833 He served two missions before being ordained an apostle in 1839, and as a member of the Quorum of the Twelve, he completed four additional missions and presided over the temple in St. George, Utah. He also served six years as a church historian, and then he was sustained as church president on April 7th of 1889. And as president of the church, he dedicated temples in Salt Lake City and Manti, Utah. He oversaw the organization of the Genealogical Society, and reemphasized the value of historical record-keeping. After much pondering and prayer, he received a revelation that the Latter-day Saints should cease the practice of plural marriage. And in 1890, he wrote the manifesto, testifying that the church had ceased teaching the practice of plural marriage in addition to being the Lord's mouthpiece for that revelation. And President Woodruff also left a legacy that emphasized missionary and temple work, and he passed away in San Francisco on September 2nd of 1898. He did a lot of good work for the saints and for the church and for the people of his time. The fifth president of the church is Lorenzo Snow, who was born in um, Mantua, Ohio, April 3rd, 1814. As a youth, he preferred academic study to an apprenticeship, and he studied uh, Hebrew and theology which led to his conversion to the church in 1836, and he spent the rest of his life in service as a missionary, apostle, and church president, a position that he filled on September 13th of 1898, and he helped the church recover from the challenges of the previous decades. He stabilized church finances as members increased their tithes and offerings, and he expanded church missionary efforts. As church president at the dawning of the 20th century, he opened a new era in Latter-day Saint history, and he passed away in Salt Lake City on October 10th, 1901 at the age of 87. We have Joseph F. Smith, the sixth president of the church. Now, he was born in November of 1838 in far west Missouri. His father, Hiram Smith, was martyred along with his uncle, the Prophet Joseph Smith. And young Joseph F. Smith helped his mother, Mary Fielding Smith, migrate to Utah. And they established a house in Salt Lake City. After she had passed on in 1852, he began a life of service to the church. In addition to his many religious duties, he served in Utah's territorial legislature from 1865 to 1874, and he became the president of the church on October 17th of 1901. While ushering the church into the 20th century, Joseph F. Smith brought Latter-day Saints to a better appreciation of early church history, and he worked to improve the public image of the church by developing important church historical sites in New York, Missouri, and Illinois, also building a Visitors Bureau and expanding church missionary and educational systems. He clarified important doctrines, served numerous missions, and directed the construction of a new headquarters complex for an expanding church. After 17 years as church president Joseph F. Smith passed on November 19th of 1918 in Salt Lake City. We have Heber J. Grant, who is the next prophet of the church. And he is the seventh president of the church, born in 1856 in November. In Salt Lake City, Heber J. Grant was raised by his mom, who happened to be a widow. And by the time he was 15, he had begun a successful business career and had been ordained to the office of 70. Ten years later, he was called to the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, where he served for 37 years and after becoming church president on November 23rd of 1918, he had dedicated three new temples, developed the welfare program, and helped Latter-day Saints cope with the tragedy of World War II. His business experience enabled him to modernize church organizations and procedures and his missionary efforts including extensive speaking engagements and friendships with national business leaders brought the church to the attention of the nation. And after serving 27 years as the president and prophet, he passed on May 14th of 1945 in Salt Lake City. Next, we have George Albert Smith, and he served, I believe, for about six years as the president of the church, and he was the eighth president. Born in 1870 in Salt Lake City, his father was John Henry Smith, and his grandfather was George Albert Smith. They had both been counselors to church presidents, and while employed in the Federal Land Office for Utah, he was called at the tender age of 33 to the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. And despite fragile health and impaired eyesight, he had a distinguished career as a church leader. He became president of the church on May 21st of 1945, and he organized the church's massive welfare assistance to Europe, following World War II. He also championed scouting among the Latter-day Saints and through numerous other civic and church responsibilities, President Smith lived that portion of his personal creed that declared, I would be a friend to the friendless and find joy in ministering to the needs of the poor. After six years as president, George Albert Smith died in Salt Lake City, On his 81st birthday, which was April 4th, 1951, we're seeing how each of these presidents had missions to accomplish during their time in the prophet role. Very distinct and individual to that time and dispensation that they served. Next, we have David O. McKay. He was the ninth president of the church and born in 1873, he spent his youth in Huntsville, Utah. He studied at the Weber Stake Academy in the University of Utah, and he prepared for a career in education. He completed formal schooling and a mission. He married his college sweetheart in 1901, and then five years later at the age of 32, he was called as an apostle of the church, beginning a life of service in the church's highest councils and he was sustained as president of the church on April 9th of 1951. Now, David O. McKay had expanded the vision of the church's worldwide mission, and under his administration, the first stakes were created outside of the United States. He also strengthened church membership with a renewed emphasis on the value of family life and education. After 44 years in the Quorum of the Twelve and 19 as the church president, david o mckay died on january 18th of 1970 in salt lake city at the age of 96. boy these prophets lived a very long fruitful life and then we had joseph fielding smith and he was the 10th president of the church born in 1876 in salt lake city he spent his entire life in church service during during nearly three quarters of a century he was a missionary a church historian, a president of the Genealogical Society and of the Salt Lake Temple, an apostle, and then the church president. In addition, he supervised the evacuation of Latter-day Saint missionaries from Europe prior to World War II. He dedicated four countries in the Far East for missionary work. That is just awesomely amazing and inaugurated the first area conference of the church in 1971. He became president of the church on January 23rd of 1970 at the age of 93. This is just so remarkable. As one of the church's most prolific writers, Joseph Fielding Smith's numerous books and articles helped educate generations of Latter-day Saints about the history and doctrine of the church. Under President Smith's administration, missionary work continued to grow. The Ogden and Provo temples were dedicated, and several church departments were restructured, and the church magazines were consolidated. On July 2nd, 1972, President Smith died quietly at his home in Salt Lake City. Just absolutely amazing legacies. Next, we have Harold B. Lee, and Harold B. Lee is the 11th president of the church. He was actually born in 1899 in Idaho. And in Idaho and later in Utah, he developed careers in education, business and government. As president of the Salt Lake Pioneer stake of the church during the Great Depression, he initiated a program of self-help and relief that grew into the welfare system of the church. After his call to the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles in 1941, he continued to work with the welfare program, which served needy individuals and communities in many countries, not just the United States. He initiated organizational changes to improve the coordination of efforts at church headquarters and among all Latter-day Saint congregations, and these helped the church prepare for its rapid expansion of members, activities, and influence of the decades which followed. He became president of the church July 7th, 1972. And as church president, he traveled often and frequently addressed the youth of the church. After only 18 months of being the church president, Harold B. Lee died on December 26, 1973 in Salt Lake City. You know, he definitely was the prophet for the times and that's when we had a boom in membership. And then Spencer W. Kimball came next, and I absolutely adore him. I just, every time that I saw him on the TV, he just always had that grandfatherly feel. I was born in 1972, and I just always felt so much love coming from him. Now, he was the 12th president of the church, and he was born in 1895 in Salt Lake City. Uh, he grew up in Thatcher, Arizona, and after completing a mission and marrying his uh, sweetheart, Camilla Iring, he settled in Safford, Arizona to raise his family and run an insurance business. Now, years of church and community leadership preceded his calling as an apostle in 1943, and overcoming severe health problems, He became church president on December 30th of 1973 at the age of 78. He led the church with spiritual power and energetic determination during a period of dramatic vitality and growth. His administration produced significant advances in doctrinal understanding, member unity and gospel expansion worldwide. In the 12 years of his presidency, the number of operating temples doubled And the number of missionaries increased by 50%. And the priesthood was extended to all worthy male members. And he died in 1985 in Salt Lake City on November 5th. Next, we have Ezra Taft Benson. Powerful, powerful prophet. Uh, He was the 13th president of the church, born in 1899 in Idaho. Um... President Benson learned early the principle of hard work on the family farm. He served a mission to Great Britain and after his return he was married to his sweetheart Flora in 1926. He received his education in agriculture and went on to hold many important positions within the industry. He was called to be an apostle after having been president of two stakes and from 1953 to 61 he served as secretary of agriculture and the cabinet of U.S. President Dwight D. Eisenhower. On November 10th of 1985, he became the president of the church and having a resolute testimony of the power of the Book of Mormon, he emphasized the importance of it in daily scripture study, missionary efforts, and gospel teaching. His love of freedom, home, and family were also evident in his addresses and counsel to church members. And despite his failing health, the church continued to grow under his administration. Temples were dedicated and missionary work expanded around the world, particularly in Eastern Europe. He died in Salt Lake City in 1994 at the age of 94. Just amazing, amazing lives these men led. Now, Howard W. Hunter, he was the 14th president of the church, and I believe he had the shortest um, tenure as the prophet. Uh, It says he was born in 1907 in Idaho, and he loved music. Uh, He toured for five months on the SS President Jackson, which gave him the opportunity to see many exotic sites in Asia, and his band was called Hunter's Cronaders. Upon his marriage to Clara in 1931, he did give up his music career in favor of a stable family life. And then President Hunter began to study law, and he became a successful lawyer in California, He did hold various positions of priesthood leadership, which helped prepare him for his call to the apostleship in 1959. And after 35 years as an apostle, he became the president of the church on June 5th, 1994, at the age of 86. And during his short presidency, he challenged all members of the church to become temple worthy. And prior to a decade of increased temple building and invited members who had become offended to come back to the church. He traveled as often as his health would permit. He dedicated two temples and commemorated the 150th anniversary of the martyrdom of Joseph and Hiram Smith. And he passed away in 1995 on March 3rd in Salt Lake City. Next, we have Gordon B. Hinckley. And I absolutely love President Hinckley. He was the 15th president, born in 1910. He was prepared from his youth to be a prophet. After graduating from the University of Utah, he was called to serve a mission in Great Britain, and after he returned, he embarked on a lifetime of service for the church. He was employed as the executive secretary of the church radio, publicity, and literature committee before he was called to be an apostle in 1961. He was later called to serve as a counselor to President Kimball, President Benson, and President Hunter. After becoming church president on March 12, 1995, he directed the most intense temple building program in the history of the church in an effort to extend temple blessings to more members. He exhibited vitality and energy as he traveled about the world, meeting and speaking to members of the church, and through television interviews and national press publications, he increased media attention and improved the public image of the church. He counseled church members to fellowship new converts, befriend members of other faiths and live exemplary lives and avoid the evils of the world. Just an awesome president. I think that when he increased the amount of temples that we had, um, he was also the one that uh, the smaller temples were able to be built in areas like Fresno, California so that we could have temples there and do our work. And it's absolutely gorgeous. The 16th president of the church is Thomas S. Monson. Such great love and devotion to President Monson who was a champion for those who were widowed, who were poor, who were left without families or homeless. Uh, He was born in 1927 in Salt Lake City, Utah. He did serve in the United States Navy near the close of World War II. And in 1950, at age 22, he was called as Bishop of the 67th Ward in Salt Lake City. Five years later, he was called as a Counselor in the Presidency of the Temple View Stake. And then from 1959 to 62, he served as President of the Church's Canadian Mission, headquartered in Toronto. Shortly after his return from Canada at the age of 36, he was sustained to the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles on October 4th of 63, and he served as a counselor in the First Presidency from 1985 to 2008. He served with President Ezra Taft Benson, President Howard W. Hunter, and President Gordon B. Hinckley. And he truly left a legacy. He was just so awesome. And that leads us up to the 17th President and Prophet of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, our beloved President Russell M. Nelson, who was born in 1924. He is the son of Marion C. and Edna Anderson Nelson. He and his wife, the former Dancil White, have 10 children, 57 grandchildren, and over 100 great-grandchildren. Dancil passed away in February of 2005, and in April 2006, President Nelson married Wendy L. Watson. An internationally renowned surgeon and medical researcher, President Nelson received his BA and MD degrees from the University of Utah. He is a member of Honorary Scholastic Societies, Phi Beta Kappa and Alpha Omega Alpha. He served his residency in surgery at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston and at the University of Minnesota where he was awarded his PhD degree in 1954. He also received honorary degrees of Doctor of Science from BYU in 1970, and Doctor of Medical Science from Utah State University in 1989, and Doctor of Humane Letters from Snow College in 1994. Just an amazing man who has ushered in the return of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for hanging in there with me. The point of this episode is to talk about the prophets that we've had, their purpose, their missions, And to emphasize the structure and order of the house of the Lord, Jesus Christ, is found in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You guys have a wonderful week. Please stay healthy, stay safe, and most importantly, stay faithful. And remember to be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Until next week, much love and God bless.